The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name's Chad Young. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. Diving into the news from Sunday, yes, Monty Grandal hit the IL after hyperextending his knee Saturday night. Does not appear to be any structural damage, but he has some inflammation and will need some time off, hence the IL stint. Sounds like he'll be back within a couple weeks. Sebi Savala will be the primary catcher in his absence, but Carlos Perez, a catching prospect having a nice season this year, got the call and will likely make his debut sometime soon. Didn't happen Sunday as the White Sox and Guardians were rained out. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's been carving out a role with saves in the Philly pen, was placed on the IL Sunday with tricep soreness. Any arm issue is a concern, but he also could be back relatively soon, so it's worth watching what the news on that is. If he's back in the back end of that pen for September, he'll be worth rostering. No roster moves for Kyle Hendricks, but he said that his focus is on getting ready for 2023 rather than this year. Doubt anyone is still sitting on him, but if you are, you can safely let him go. Similar news on Corey Knabel, no changes in roster status, but he has a tear in his right shoulder capsule and that will end his season. Surgery a possibility, but no timeline set just yet. Cole Calhoun back from the IL and the Rangers plugged him back into the lineup in left field hitting seventh. Went one for four with a single and then was pulled for a pinch runner who came around to score. After a resurgent 2020, Calhoun has struggled to stay on the field and has not really produced when he's been on it. Elias Diaz back from the IL as well, replacing Dom Nunez who was sent back to the minors. In his last month before hitting the IL on August 11th, Diaz posted a 134 WRC+. And remember, that's a park-adjusted stat, so for fantasy purposes, it actually understates how strong he was. Diaz did not start Sunday. Brian Servin was behind the dish for the Rocks, but look for him to be a useful play, especially in two-catcher leagues or formats where you can platoon him and use him only at cores. The Red Sox recalled Franchi Cordero in their continuing quest to not give Tristan Cassis a shot. Franchi is once again handling AAA easily and once again not showing much in the majors, but he has tantalizing power and so he'll keep getting chances. He pinch hit for Bobby Dahlbeck in the eighth inning Sunday and of course hit a home run. Hopefully that isn't like the groundhog seeing his shadow, sending us into another six weeks of Tristan Cassis winter. The Mets recalled Jose Buto for his Major League debut Sunday, giving him the unfortunate assignment of facing the Phillies. Buto flashed some nice strikeout numbers in AA, but gave up a few too many walks and homers. He barely appeared in AAA, making just two starts for six rather rough innings before getting this call. 
And, well, this didn't go great. He gave up seven runs on nine hits in four innings, struck out five and walked two, giving up two home runs as well. Budo sat close to 95 with his fastball and nearly touched 97, though his curve was his most effective pitch, garnering six whiffs on 18 swings and a 39% CSW. You can see some of what the Mets see in him, but his command wasn't great and he got hit hard. The Orioles recalled Yusniel Diaz, once a legit prospect and the centerpiece of the Manny Machado trade. Diaz has dealt with injuries and poor performance and basically fallen completely off the prospect radar. Diaz was awful in the high minors last year and really hasn't done much this year either, but at 25, it looks like the Orioles are going to give him a shot. A couple years ago, news of Diaz call-up would have been reason to spend some fab dollars, but not today. The Guardians sent Nolan Jones back to AAA. Jones has actually been hitting the ball fairly well. His 325 ex-WOBA speaks to that more than his 297 WOBA. But the Guardians have other young outfielders who need reps as well, and Jones will be going back to Columbus where he can play every day. Richie Palacios is expected to replace him on the active roster. This likely means that Oscar Gonzalez, Will Benson, and Miles Straw continue to get regular playing time. Jacob Junis took a comebacker off his left hand, that's his glove hand, and had to come out of the game Sunday. Junis had been solid, especially for Coors, giving up three runs on five hits over six and two-thirds with six strikeouts and no walks. After the game, Gabe Kapler said the scans were negative, but he will have a CT scan today, so look for more news on that. Shohei Otani having a rough start Sunday, but apparently it was due to a stomach bug. He came to the park not feeling well, but tried to pitch through it, ended up going just four innings, allowing three runs on five hits, walked four, and struck out just two. He was 0-1 with a walk and a K at the plate before being pulled. It doesn't sound like this is anything more than a bug that got him today, so expect him to be great next time out. Sam Haggerty was a late scratch. He's been dealing with a shoulder issue and wasn't feeling great after batting practice, but he was able to pinch run and sure enough came through with two stolen bases. He's been excellent for the Mariners so far this year. Scott Efros, who's been a key cog in the Yankees' bullpen, even snagging a couple saves, is dealing with some shoulder stiffness. That left him unavailable to pitch Sunday. Doesn't sound serious yet, but something to track. Nate Uvalde missed his last start and apparently is not responding to treatment and will, as a result, miss his next start as well. An IL stint is still possible. Jack Flaherty made a rehab start Sunday, sitting 93, but hitting 95 and 96 on occasion. He's going to make another rehab start, aiming to be around 90 pitches, and after that, we'll see. A couple of upcoming moves to keep an eye on. Bruce Dark Gratterall should be reinstated from the IL today, rejoining the Dodger bullpen. And the Royals expected to recall Jonathan Heasley to start tomorrow. One final note before we get to the action on the field. Atlanta put Marcelo Zuna back in the lineup after he missed a week. Ozuna, as I'm sure you are aware, was arrested for a DUI. And taking a brief moment to editorialize, I think the organization should be kind of embarrassed that they think this is a good idea. Given Ozuna's history and his latest offense, plus the seriousness of a DUI, you'd think Atlanta would take this a bit more seriously, but it turns out that getting their left fielder with a negative 1.1 F4 on the year is just too important to them. Ozuna 0 for 2 with a couple Ks before being pulled for a pinch hitter. There is no reason to roster this guy. There are plenty of reasons to stay away from him, and that's true for both fantasy managers and the Atlanta organization. With that out of the way, let's get back to baseball. Jake Fraley, two for two with three walks on Sunday, hitting his seventh home run, stealing his second base, scoring four runs, driving in three, just a huge game for him. Fraley's missed a bunch of time this year, but he is a stronger bat than a lot of people realize and is well worth keeping an eye on. The Reds have him leading off. He has good speed, good power, good OBP skills, and is now in a great park. Definitely worth a look, especially in deeper leagues. I'd be picking him up. In shallower leagues, if you need the help, you could do a lot worse. 
Marcana, three for five with a couple home runs Sunday, including a ninth inning shot that turned into the game winner. He scored two and drove in five. Canna having another excellent season, though his fantasy value isn't as high as his real-life value due to a lack of home runs and stolen bases and low lineup position that holds down his runs and RBIs. Still a pretty terrific bat overall. Canna wasn't the only one to hit two in that game, by the way. Alec Bohm, three for five with a couple bombs, scoring twice and driving in six. He has been on fire for a while now and showing the production a lot of us, myself included, were waiting for. If he maintains this, he will be a very popular pick in 2023 drafts. Keston Hira, who did not play in that game, also hit two home runs, going two for four, two runs, three RBIs. They were his 11th and 12th homers on the year. Hira still hasn't done anything to fix his K-rate. It is over 40% on the year and is nearly 40% since his last call-up. But he's succeeding despite that, thanks mostly to plenty of home runs and a 393 BAPIP. The power is legit, but I am not buying that BAPIP. And you're likely looking at pretty empty power moving forward, but I'd ride it while you can. Evan Longoria, 3 for 4 with a home run, 2 runs, 4 RBIs. Doesn't play every day and isn't always healthy, but... If you're in a league with deep enough benches to carry him, you should, and you should use him when he's in the lineup. Other homers around the game, Mike Moustakas hit his 7th, Brandon Nimmo his 11th, Gene Segura his 8th, Matt Olson his 26th, Whit Merrifield hit number 7, Benintendi number 4, Riley Green also hit his 4th, Christian Betancourt hit his 7th, Marcus Simeon number 19, Nate Lowe his 18th, Roddy Telez his 26th, Ian Happ hit number 13, Seiya Suzuki got himself into double figures. Nelson Cruz got himself into double figures. Xander Bogarts got himself into double figures. Brian Servan hit his sixth. Elahuris Montero hit his fourth. Randall Grichuk his 13th. Mitch Hanniger hit number five. Josh Bell, number 16. Lars Newbarn, seven. Cody Bellinger got his 17th, while Max Muncy got his 16th. J.J. Blade hit his fourth. And Lewin Diaz got his first on the year. As for stolen bases, T.J. Friedel stole his sixth. Starling Marte stole his 17th. Bryson Stock got his 7th, Chaz McCormick number 2, Kyle Tucker number 19, Jake Myers got his 1st, and Mauricio Dubon his 2nd, Akil Badu stole his 4th, while Randy Arozarena swiped his 23rd, Adelis Garcia got his 19th, Leo de Tavares his 8th, Willie Adamas took his 5th, Sam Hilliard swiped his 4th, as did Mike Yastrzemski, Tony Kemp stole his 8th, Dylan Moore got his 14th, Julio Rodriguez now up to 23 on the year. Alex Call with the first of his career. Haseon Kim got number nine on the season. Nolan Arenado his third. Joey Wendell his 10th. Mookie Betts his 11th. And Justin Turner, of all people, he's now up to number three after stealing his second on the weekend. Turning our attention to the mound, welcome back Eduardo Rodriguez. In his first start after a long layoff, Rodriguez went five shutout. He did allow four hits and walk three, but he struck out five. And five shutout is still five shutout. But before getting too excited... He only had four whiffs and a 26% CSW. His velocity was down as well. He's still working his way back, and don't mistake shutting out the Angels, especially when Otani is sick, for actual success. It hasn't been an easy season for Charlie Morton, but a great start Sunday, holding the Astros to two runs on five hits and two walks, with 11 strikeouts over six. He couldn't pair the win with his quality start, though, as his team took the loss. That was in part because Jose Urquidy matched him, going seven innings, allowing two runs and five hits, with two walks and six Ks. Urquidy continues to post an ERA that outpaces his peripherals, but that's going on three seasons and about 250 innings now, so it may be something more than luck. Alec Manoa had no issue with the Yankees going six innings, allowing just four hits and two walks with two runs, just one of them earned. He struck out eight. He's becoming a legit star for the Jays, and given some of the struggles from Jose Barrios and others, they need this. 
Nestor Cortez threw a similarly good game against the Jays, going six, allowing one run on three hits and a walk with five strikeouts. His magical season just continues. Ryan Yarbrough's season started off pretty terribly, but since July 16th, he's been excellent, striking out nearly a batter per inning, walking just over one per nine, and has a 3.42 FIP in that stretch. That continued Sunday against the Royals. He only lasted four and a third, but gave up two runs, neither earned, on three hits and a walk with five strikeouts, had 12 whiffs and a 33% CSW. He won't go deep into games, so you can't count on quality starts or wins, but he's pitching very well again. Kohei Arihara has not had much success since coming to MLB, but he was good Sunday. Shut out the Twins over six, allowing four hits and striking out three without a walk. Velocity was up a bit, but just six whiffs? I'm not buying this, not even a little. Things have been a bit rocky for Joe Ryan lately, mostly due to a couple bad starts for San Diego and LA, but he was solid Sunday. The Rangers got him for just two runs and two hits, though he did walk three. He had six strikeouts over six and a third, no win for him since his team couldn't score, but it is nice to see him have a successful outing, just want to see him keep those walks in check. Brandon Woodruff wasn't bad, but a couple home runs tarnished it. Five and two-thirds, two runs and four hits with five strikeouts and two walks. He was outpitched by Justin Steele, who went six shutout with nine strikeouts and a walk, allowing two hits. Steele's been excellent this year and looks more and more legit to me. Luis Castillo with a disappointing start and a loss against the A's, giving up four runs and eight hits and a walk, striking out five over five. Nothing I'm worried about, but frustrating for the Mariners who need him to be solid. Opposite him, J.P. Sears was excellent, giving up just one run over five, striking out three and walking one, allowing six hits. Sears had only six whiffs, and that gives me some pause. He's interesting. I'm definitely watching, but I'm not buying yet. Sean Manaya has not had a great year, and I've honestly been bailing in a few places, but Sunday was a step in the right direction, even if it was against the Nationals. One run and five hits without allowing a walk, four strikeouts over seven for his seventh win. Nice to see him get back on track. Even Sandy Alcantara can't just skip by the Dodgers. Six runs on 10 hits in just three and two-thirds innings. He did have five Ks against just one walk, and he's earned a pass for a bad start. He'll be fine next time out. Nick Pavetta struck out nine and walked one over five and two-thirds, allowing six hits and two runs against the O's. Pavetta does this. After a string of bad starts, he might have a couple good starts, and I just can't trust him. He gets Tampa next, and if you want to use him, go for it, but I'm not going to. Lastly, Dean Kramer with a solid start, going five and a third, allowing a run and five hits and two walks with four Ks, but he gets the Astros next, and uh, no. Turning our attention to the bullpens, not a save, but Alexis Diaz got the ninth for Cincy. He was up four, went one, two, three with a K. I am buying on him, especially in keepers and long-term leagues. Another Diaz, less clean, but got a save. Edwin with the rare run allowed. He gave up two hits and a walk as well. But hey, it's 28th save. The Astros spotted Ryan Presley a three-run lead, and he needed it all, giving up two runs and two hits, but still came away with his 25th save and his job not in danger. Pete Fairbanks got his fourth. He's just the latest Ray to get a shot in the ninth. With the Rangers up 4-0 and then tagging on more in the 8th and the ninth, Taylor Hearn got a three-inning save. It's his first of the year. Struck out five of the nine hitters he faced. A very impressive appearance, but he's not the closer. Brandon Hughes, who had been touting on the show, gave up a home run in a third of an inning to blow the save for the Cubs in the seventh. That gave the Brewers a shot and it went to Taylor Rogers. He got his 29th save on the year. Devin Williams had a rough outing Saturday, so maybe just getting a day off could be a matchup thing, but Rogers does have a history as a closer and has had only one bad outing since coming to Milwaukee, so worth watching. Zach Liddell got his first save after Camilo Duvall had been used earlier. By the time the 11th inning rolled around, Liddell was the guy. Austin Pruitt, similar situation. He got his first save as well, going the last two-thirds of an inning against the Mariners, but he was the seventh 
A's reliever in this one. I think he was just the guy whose number was up rather than being a closer candidate. Nick Martinez, who you should expect to be part of the new Padres committee, took his turn on Sunday getting his fifth save. With Ryan Helsley on the paternity list, Giovanni Gallegos got his 12th save. Helsley should be back soon, though. And Felix Bautista got his eighth save. He did give up a home run in the process, so not ideal, but no real risk to his job. With that, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll turn our attention to Monday's action. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at PitcherList.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. As we turn our attention to Monday, let's start with a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Well, after a busy Sunday with lots of weather concerns, Monday we have a smaller slate of games, and with the smaller slate, really we shouldn't have any weather problems anywhere. So go ahead and play whoever you want, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for someone to stream today, Daniel Lynch, if he's available, he's pitched well lately. KC is a tough power park. The Sox are making a one-day stop in KC on their way to Baltimore from a weekend in Cleveland, and it might not be a bad time to kind of catch him napping. If you're looking for an offense to bet on, I expect the Twins will take out some frustration on Cole Reagans after a rough weekend. And as for what I'll be watching, I'm a big fan of Rowanzi Contreras and can't wait to see how he handles his matchup with Atlanta. That should be a fun one. With that, go over to Pitcher List, check out the SP Roundup, Reliever Ranks, and Batters Box to get more depth on what happened yesterday as well as what's coming today. If you've got more listening time, check out the Keeper Cup Podcast. That's the other podcast I host on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. We focus on keeper and long-term leagues. With trade deadlines coming up, we did a mailbag, a lot of good content on trade strategy, trades to make, players to target, things like that. Check it out. Hope you enjoy it. With that, I'll turn you over to the rest of the first pitch team for the week, and I'll be back with you on the weekend. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.